You wanna do any uh, vocal exercises where like Unique uh New York. Unique <laughs> New York. Hi Tony. Columbia is not in California. Columbia <laughs> is not in California. Is that a red hot chili pepper song? I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds like it. Every song they sing is like something something California. <laughs> Columbiarnication? <laughs> I actually like them. It's like fun. I've seen them a couple times, but... You've seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers live? <laughs> yeah. God damn, you've lived a life, dude. Oh, I thought you were going to judge me for that. I was fully ready for that. No, I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They had a month in like high school where they were like a big deal. Yeah, I went to, I went with some friends, and I remember it was kind of crazy. Like We kind of just get, get, kept getting closer and closer to the front. We all got separated because I hung out with my friend uh, in a bit of a safer spot. And then okay. uh, some other guys like ended up getting kicked out all, before the show even started. And like, like just for like being drunk or something, I don't know, someone had their number and kicked them out. Mm-hmm. And then they, I think they just like went around. They got put into a cab and then they just asked the cab driver, if he drives them back to the front and then they went to the front and like bought scalpers tickets and then just came back in. Wow. And then, uh, and then one of my other friends like caught the drumstick and I think he also got the set list. It was was a crazy night. It was awesome. Wow. And you didn't, you didn't experience any of the craziness with the scalping and the friends being kicked out because you were with a different pocket of friends. Yeah. I was in like a, a different area. The craziest thing that happened was, like, as the show went on, more and more people got closer and closer to the front, and we were kind of near the front. And so, like, basically the mosh pit just kept growing. Mm. And then eventually it kind of engulfed us. Mm -hmm. But then my friend, who's jacked, uh, basically just built a wall around me. Like Like with his body? Yeah, and just, like, shoving people away. Oh, that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. It was awesome. Um, being in a in a dense crowd at a music festival as a wheelie is kind of a shitty experience. It's kind like, of scary. Like almost literally shitty because you're just, like all you, you're just surrounded you're by people's butts. Level. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can't see anything ever. And they never get out of the way. And you know that they're taking ecstasy and like they're going to like shit themselves at any second. And like you get all like all the beer, like all the moose piss of people's like red oh, cups yeah. gets poured on you. And it's like occasionally like a drunk girl will see you and be like, oh, my God. And then like give you give you like a little bit of a, a, a sloppy, or, like, sloppy lap dance. And you're like, yeah. I didn't ask for this. I would prefer that one. Thanks for leaving. I'm so glad you left your house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're also like lower than, than everyone. So people don't really notice you until they're like stumbling onto you and yeah. I'm just like the whole time i'm just like hoping nobody accidentally like sits on my joystick or yeah 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 or bumps bumps your joystick or something and then just yeah. like keeps haphazardly like walking into you <laughs> yeah. and you're just like driving into them and it's just like this nightmare scenario oh, oh. yeah it's uh I, but that same group of friends one time went to another outdoor festival and um for all those same reasons I couldn't really see what was happening. And there was a bit of a platform right where we were, but there was no ramp onto it. So 
uh, like I was saying, my friend is just jacked. And then a couple other guys, like, that we were with, like, just a group of friends just, like, picked up my chair mm-hmm. and then lifted it up onto this platform so that I could see better. That was Like, this is, like, one of your, like, contemporary power chairs? Like, one of the 500-pounders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a very heavy chair. Oh, my God. Dude, were they drunk when they did it? Man, those same friends... Oh, for sure. Probably more drunk when they took me off. But uh, that same group of friends lifted me in my chair up a flight of stairs. Oh my God. Why did you agree to that, Tony? <laughs> so like, the, the plan was we were going to take uh, a ramp. I have a ramp. Right. And then we like were pre-drinking at my friend's place. And, and it was like his birthday party at this pretty nice restaurant where there was a flight of stairs up. And it was like four steps maybe enough that the ramp would have worked. Um, but also too many that you really shouldn't be trying to lift me up those. Yeah, exactly. Um, and because you could get like literally a lifelong injury if you pulled a muscle from that from that fucking chair, <clears throat> like deadlifting, like at the gym, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Yeah, like casually in like an in like an unsafe environment. Well, that ripped friend is also a personal trainer. So what ended up happening was we got there. Are you talking and, about Jeff? Do I know yeah, this friend? Uh, oh, it's Jeff. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, they were like carrying me up. So we were going to bring a ramp, and then at the last minute decision, we were like, whatever. Like, there's five, there's like so many of us. There's like six of us or more. You're like, whatever. We'll just bring a Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we'll just bring Jeff. We'll be fine. So he was like, all right, guys, you're going to need to, like, everyone grabs a corner. Uh, he's like, remember, like, he was like teaching them. Reminding them all of body mechanics and stuff. And and they they did it. I remember uh, at one point, one guy started losing his grip. And he was like, I'm going to need help. And he was like on the front left of my chair. And Jeff was on the front right. So Jeff just ended up like grabbing both of the front. Oh my God. Fucking Jeff, man. Because he's so ripped. He, yeah, it's not. The one thing I remember about that guy is that, like, he, he was just always, like... Jacked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's ripped. I don't know. He was always, like, getting stronger and, like, more apt at whatever he was pursuing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was pretty sweet. Going down is always a bit easier. But maybe it just seemed easier because we'd all been drinking. <laughs> so it just was like, yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. But... Yeah, that that was awesome. Um, do you, you usually bring a manual chair though, right? When you're, I do. Yeah, yeah. It depends who I go with, of course. But for the most part, yeah, manual chairs everywhere. Well, if you is there certain people that you would bring a power chair with? Mm, only people who would not be able to manually help me up the stairs. Oh, or... so it's like I might as well just bring my chair anyway. Yeah, I bring my power chair as a favor to my companion, not. Not for my purpose. Well, yeah, it's never a favor to yourself. But what I what I enjoy about having my power chair is that if I ever need to go to the bathroom, I can just go and there's no one ever waiting for me outside of the stall being like, are you okay? Do you need me to hold it for you? Do you get pee anxiety if you know there's someone? Oh my God, man. It's like my number one anxiety in life. Pee? Yeah, I know. It's really pathetic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm not, like a 32-year-old right? man and I can't pee if I know someone's waiting for me. Oh, no, 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 no. Like... So I have to pee with someone holding my dick in a urinal. 
Who and a it? urinal is basically just like a bottle that's like yeah. specifically designed for pee holding. It's a dick bottle. It's a dick bottle for pee. Mm-hmm. And so like there's someone just like right there the whole time. And it it sometimes can take me a couple minutes just to start because I just have to like kind of like pretend the world isn't happening. Yeah, that's like an like that's like monk monk levels of like clearing your mind and concentrating. Yeah, because like I just I mean I I could not imagine that situation. Like I'd hear the Jeopardy music and I'd be like expecting them to check their watch and be like, when is this fucker gonna pee? Oh yeah, and then if 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 there's like an awkward silence, that silence is deafening. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is it worse if they try to like make conversation with you though? I don't know. It depends on the person because. Sometimes the conversation is natural, yeah, so then yeah. it's fine. Uh-huh. But if the conversation seems like they're forcing it just to cover up the awkward silence, yeah. then it's awkward because then you know what's happening and it's not really doing anything. But I think it's also that like your my body is not like uh, I don't think I think I'm so well trained to hold it hold my bladder. Yeah, that, as we as all wheelies probably are to some degree. Yeah. At least more so than the average able-bodied person. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Because yep. you you never... My life is generally planned around when I'm going to pee. <laughs> yeah. It's like, exactly. I, I know that like, if I make plans at this time and I'm going to this place, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to pee before I leave and once I get home. So how many hours is that? And then based on that, how much water or alcohol can I drink? It'd be so awkward if you ended up like having to pee on a first date and there was no one other than your than your date yeah, there. Yeah, there's a really hard time. It's it's happened one time, but it didn't get to the point where I was like, I need you to leave. But my I think in the back of my mind, I probably wasn't as casual as I usually would be because I, I was like, Well, if you leave anytime soon, that's not that bad for me. So like I didn't want to like, you know, make it last. Because I'm, I'm never sure, you know, if, if if it goes too well, then they stay too long. And then <laughs> the pee is a reality. Oh, my goodness. that, that That's such a weird, like, cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> Man, I was just thinking of, like, this, like, weird, like, <clears throat> meet-cute first date in a romantic rom-com where, like, she ends up having to help you pee and there's no two ways around it. But because you guys have chemistry, it's not awkward. And the way that she gets you to, like, get over your pee anxiety is by, like, making out with you for the first time. Like, with the the urinal in the other hand. (laughs) I've had a couple incidents where my nose has started running during a date. Oh, really? Yeah, like a couple times with different people. Is that, like, a a tell for you? Like, when you're into it? When I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like if i have a good poker hand my face is white <laughs> it's like needing kleenex for the wrong reasons yeah um and like one time uh i mean it's happened a bunch of times actually my nose runs a lot obviously there's not much i can do besides like the mustache trick i've got right 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 which is patented by now which is definitely patented but also doesn't really help when it's running. It's more for when it's itchy. Right. I need to like come up with a different thing. Um, Cause I don't know what's worse. I like just sniffling indefinitely 
or just like you know just biting the bullet sometimes it'd be like i know this is super awkward but like do you mind wiping my nose (laughs) (laughs) um people have done it and and like sometimes it actually kind of is like almost like a bonding moment they're like oh okay I i can i can probably deal with this if this is the kind of stuff we're doing at least it's not like you're not weird about it it's just there she like blows her nose too, just to make you feel less awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always get people to like use a straw. I'm like, well, I'm going to use a straw to drink my alcohol. So you also have to. Oh, damn. That's actually quite a move, you know? Yeah, it's fun. Um, but yeah, no, back to peeing. Like the other thing is uh, when you're sit, when I'm sitting in my chair, my body's definitely like, you shouldn't be peeing right now. Like you have oh, yeah. all of your clothes on. Yeah, you're sitting down. Nothing about this is bright. You're just gonna end up with pee all over you. Yeah, and it's happened a couple times where like the angle isn't right or the urinal isn't at the right angle or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And like, or like your dick is too big or something, or too small. Depends on how cold it is, you know. <laughs> and uh, Tony, I was trying to build you up, man. Come on. Yeah, well, we live in a wintry place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, like, my body just... It, it's really hard to be like, no, it's okay. You're going to pee, and it's just going to end up in this bottle. It won't end up all over your pants. What would the rom-com be called where you where you uh, end up having to pee on a first date? Like, Sleepless in Piatal or something like that? <laughs> 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 Fifty first piece. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, when Harry met my Willie. <laughs> when Harry's a dude. Oh no. When Willie met Sally. When Sally met the Willie. All I thought, all, all I could think of was Jacob's bladder. <laughs> but, that, <laughs> but that's not a rom com. Damn it! I'm not Jacob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of rom-coms oh is this what they what we're watching is i don't know it's definitely not a rom-com well maybe uh so we have to give the backstory on this one yeah we should probably explain our relationship to the subject of the video so okay so we're gonna watch a documentary i don't really know much about it but uh we're friends with uh a guy you might have heard of him. You might not have, but you should. His name is Andrew Gerza, and he is a little bit of a celebrity on Grinder. I mean, on Twitter. And uh, basically, he's also disabled. He has cerebral palsy, just like Jamie. Mm-hmm. Except he would, if he was here right now, he would definitely make sure we all knew how much more disabled than Jamie he is. Yeah, he would be like, he'd be like, there's no comparison. <laughs> yeah. And he's got... He, and then he would be like, disability. <laughs> Probably. He's he's popping off with his own podcast. Uh, you can check him out on Disability After Dark. I think That's he, a good title, man. Good yeah, it's him. a great, great title. I, I'd listen just based on that title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he's, he's doing great. They're great episodes. He has guests on all the time and they're pretty interesting anyway we're friends and 
he when he found out that Jamie and I were starting a podcast, he was like, "Oh, well, what?" And and I told him that we were basically like reviewing media, and he was like, "Well, why don't you review the documentary that they did about me?" And I was like, "Well, that's a terrible idea because we both know I'm gonna roast you, and yeah. it's gonna be recorded forever." Right. And he's like, "Light me up, hit me with your best shot." So I can't pass up on that opportunity. Right. I think you're like uniquely positioned to probably roast him uh, savagely. But at the same time, I, yeah, I want to, but yeah. I also don't really know what we're getting into here. I don't really know what this documentary is about. I don't know what the angle is. I don't know what they're talking about. But like a bit about Andrew, definitely go check him out. He'll tell you all this himself. And trust me, he will make sure you know. Um, he's disabled and he's gay and uh, both of those things are like very important parts of his identity and so I don't know if this documentary actually is about that I'm sure it's about being disabled I don't know how much his gayness is a part of it but I assume it's probably a part of it because um, like I said he's a celebrity on Grindr uh, so yeah, were this video not on YouTube, I would be anticipating it be like like semi-X-rated, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it might still be. Do you think that disability nipples don't uh, rate as highly on the X factor as non-disability nipples? This would be our second long-form discussion about nipples on this podcast. Are you keeping track? Everyone has two nipples, so that's apt. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Is there anything special about cripple nipples? Um, well, I feel like cripple nipples aren't as intimidating as the regular nipple. What are you talking about? Not as intimidating? Because like uh, cripple nipples don't cripple areolas aren't any different. Like the, the 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 length of the nipple is the same. The nipple is full definition. It's not an atrophied nipple. I know everything is the same, but what I'm saying is like I don't think when Tony. someone. Mm-hmm. Are you self-conscious of your nipples? No. Although one person told me I had small nipples. And since then, I like this girl I was dating, she was like, you have small nipples. And I was like, okay, thanks. I think that's fine. And you were like, give me back my straw, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can drink you can drink that cup however you want. Yeah, you're not wiping my nose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna pee myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wearing a diaper on the next day. See how you feel then. Oh, gross. Yeah. Um, so she told me I had small nipples and it, it just, I was like, okay, sure, whatever. And since then, I've always just thought I have small nipples. It didn't bother me. It was nothing weird. But the more people I tell and then they see my nipples, they're like, you don't, they're just nipples. They're not like small or big or whatever, but like, they're not that small. And so now I kind of like look at, I, I don't really know. I'm having a bit of a nipple identity crisis as well. This is the most pensive I've ever heard you be. <laughs> About my nipples? Yeah, yeah. Yo, yeah. dude, this chest strap on my chair has nothing to do with holding me up. It's just covering up my nipples. <laughs> um, so I think my nipples are normal, but I don't know if I have cripple nipples. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you have cripple nipples? Uh, I don't know. They're quite hairy. And uh, 
Wait, your actual nipples are hairy? No, like a red, like the circumference is hairy. Okay, because that's fucked up. Yeah, no, no, but they're like fairly. Like, I would say they're probably a part of my body that I'm least self conscious of if I had to pick one. Like you're proud of your nipples? Well, <laughs> I mean, if the absence of like self loathing is pride, then okay, sure. Like, is your what is your favorite body feature? Is it your nipples? Jesus, he's not gonna help you. I don't know, man. My shoulder, my shoulders. That's your favorite. Well, it's like the most competent, competent part of my body, probably. Yeah, you've got good shoulders. You definitely like, like if you did a shoulder up pick, nobody would actually know you're disabled. Yeah, that's, but that's quite, quite a stereotype. What do you mean? Well, like, I mean, like, that's how people expect wheelies to be like top heavy. I don't know. I'm not top heavy. Well, I'm very top. My head is heavy. Well, all, all the. All the, like, you know, popular depictions of wheelies are, like, you know, guys with jacked upper bodies and, like, puppet legs. Yeah, but those are, that, that I wouldn't mind being one of those wheelies. I probably wouldn't mind either. But, I don't know, I have, like... I got Muppet everything. <laughs> no, you're a handsome dude, man. I, I'm, well, I'm, uh, thanks. That's, I, I, I'm not upset about my face, but uh, my limbs are all just, like there for decoration i i guess so but like <clears throat> there's like a long for the ride i feel like my brain is like okay we're, we're doing this my face is like yeah sure whatever and then the rest of my body's like i'm over it well i don't know about that man you you look like a pretty put together wheelie you know <laughs> no, no, no. yeah you look like a fucking you i don't know <clears throat> you're not a neglected wheelie i was really hoping you'd roast my limbs but we'll get there i well i don't <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever roasted your physical appearance? I don't know, but I really want that for some reason. Well, I guess that means we have to invite Andrew on this podcast. I don't know if I'm capable. Oh, Andrew has, Andrew has no problem roasting me. Andrew would be like, Tony, your face is stupid. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my profile picture on Andrew's phone is like Elvin the Chipmunk or something. For the longest time, he called me Fivel, and I didn't even know what that was. He called you what? Fival. Fival. Like a mouse? Isn't it a mouse? I thought I you would know who that is. I didn't know who it was. I don't even know. I'm sorry, man. I didn't know who it was. It's like the guy who's like, um, he sings a song. I don't know. Andrew's told me all about him. And then Jimmy Neutron. He calls me Jimmy Neutron a lot, too. Okay, I remember Jimmy Neutron. I remember that from years ago, like 2009, even. I got a uh, cartoon done of me recently for work and they gave me jimmy neutron hair really yeah i think because my headdress kind of blocked off the side of my head so he just had to guess <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah so if sorry go ahead and then he, he also gave me like a weird smile like it, it is kind of representative of how i pose in pictures but i would have thought he would have like straightened it out a bit but i, I think when you're drawing a wheelie, you're like, how do I not offend this person? Yeah, you're 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 drawing on eggshells. <laughs> it's a thin ice canvas. <laughs> if I was just like the worst thing I could I could say about you that comes to mind is that you look like a more conventionally handsome Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
I was like, I don't think I've ever roasted you. And then pulls out Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm no longer self-conscious about my nipples, so thank you. That's good, man. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you know what Andrew used to call me back in the day? What? <clears throat> when I was... Um, uh, like I'm still obsessed with movies, but like b- back in early university, I was like super obsessed and they were like my crutch, like getting through dorm life and stuff was just like binging all my favorite films. So he used to call me dark douche and uh, <laughs> Requiem for a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew loves like wordplay. He's really, it's like his favorite thing. Like if you, if you say a phrase and he's not really paying attention, yeah. he'll just repeat the last thing you said in a sing-song voice. Right. And then he'll try to mash it together into one word. Right. You'll just be like, and then anyway, so I don't really know what to do for Christmas with my parents. And he won't really be talking. He'll be like, parents. And then he'll be like, Chris parents. And like, that's that's his contribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. He was always kind of like on his own wavelength. Like he had like a round robin of issues that he was trying to confront in his life. And he had people he cared about, so he'd go visit them, and he'd talk to them, and he'd try to listen, but he's Andrew, so he's still working through his problems. And he would, like, occasionally, like, break break his, like, stream of thought to, like, try to give the person advice or make them laugh. That's how I remember him. Yeah, he, he definitely, if you start to get too deep with him, he'll hold it over your head forever. Yeah, he'd be like, you know, be like, you know what, you're stupid. I have to go home, I'm hungry. And he'll just leave. Can you order me a pizza, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are the attendants in this place? Um, so I pitched this to him recently, and I'd be curious to see what you think. Do you think, I think I might have asked you this before, actually. I would be interested to find someone who would be willing to split test a dating profile on a straight dating app and then a gay dating app as a wheelie. So like you're really, you make a profile on Tinder and you set it to straight and then you make a profile, the exact same pictures, the same bio, everything's the same on Grindr and that's it. And then you just count matches. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What, what theory would we be trying to prove here? Whether or not you have a better time, a better success rate on Grindr, because I feel like gay dudes are just more ready to fuck. I mean... I, yeah, okay. Do we have to prove that or do we already know it's true? I don't know. I think we have to use science. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know, man. Uh, but I don't really want to be the one to have a grinder account, like, especially because I'm actually trying to use Tinder and I just, I don't, I don't think it would do me any favors. But I tried to convince Andrew to set up a Tinder account. We should probably involve a woman in this. As well, because we don't want to conclude, we don't want to draw problematic conclusions. But isn't that just muddying the waters? <laughs> my my hypothesis would be that, like, both the gay and lesbian community would be open, would be more open to, um, yeah, like, disabled partners because they're already accustomed to, they already know what it's like to be, like, the sexual other. And so they probably wouldn't, they'd probably be way less discriminatory. And they already had to explore their sexuality to realize that they are gay or straight. I mean, <laughs> that they are like gay or lesbian. So, um, so it like wouldn't be too much of an additional leap to be like, all right, I'll embrace a disabled person. 
So you're saying that who who is more likely? Which group? Just gay people in general. Like like men, women, whoever. Oh, so you agree with me. But is that is that because the grass just seems greener on the other side? I don't know what you mean by that. Like, because we're both straight dudes. And like... Oh, I don't know, maybe. Do, do you think you're like, well, yeah, it's probably easier if you're gay. I just literally think that a lot of like heteronormative people who are also able-bodied are not willing to like ask themselves jump outside of the comfort zones yeah like they they have like a very like a very streamlined idea of what their romantic life will be like and how to make a family and yada yada and anything that deviates from that script will be a challenge even if you are the most caring and empathetic and open-minded person whereas if you're gay then you've already then you've already like had that experience of like being the other and so you're like you know I mean, I, I think I could probably extend an olive branch to Jamie because, like, he probably struggles and I've struggled and et cetera. That's a weird thing to base a relationship on, though. It is, yeah. I, I mean, it, it also depends, like... Like mutual otherness? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's still a transition or or uh, it's it's still, like, new for, like, a gay person to date, like a, like a disabled person. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's less of a leap because... They're already more like introspective and open-minded. Yeah, they've already had to uh, reevaluate their um, sexuality, like relative to uh, the status quo. So, do you wish you were gay? <laughs> like, because then in that case, I wouldn't be as lonely. Uh, no, you you would just wait. What is the gay scene like in Thunder Bay? And why am I asking you? I have. No... <laughs> it's fabulous, Tony. <laughs> uh no like i the mo- i don't know many openly gay people in thunder bay so that should tell you something openly gay that's a hilarious way to put it yeah that's do you know uh, do you know closed gay people maybe oh really yeah damn did you just call someone out no i didn't you for sure did oh well i'm not gonna say names now all your straight friends are gonna be like you think i'm gay dude <laughs> None of my straight friends are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> they will have to tell them that you told which one of them you think is gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we are going to watch this documentary called Picture This. It's on YouTube. You can find the link. You can watch it along if you want. And um, yeah, basically we're just going to see... We, and neither one of us really knows what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we're going to watch it. So watch along, picture this. It really reminds me of that run the jewel song every time. The song, the first lyric in the song is, picture this, I'm a bag of dicks. And it just, I love it. It wakes me up every time. If Andrew could like anthropomorphize into just a bag of dicks, I think he would probably love it too, right? You think? <laughs> I don't know. You probably know him better than I do, but I don't think he would object to it. I don't know if anyone would want to be a bag of dicks. Okay, but you would want to be like some like maybe a couple more more structured collection of dicks. Yeah, like a couple, a cu- like a a couple of dicks in a box. <laughs> you know. Maybe like two, two, two nice dicks in a nice cedar chest. 
and you would be someone's like. But like when I picture a bag of dicks, I picture like like a plastic bag, clear plastic, just filled to the brim. Yeah, like. And a guy's like schlepping it around. Yeah. And there's like dicks facing every which way, all yeah. sorts of colors of dicks, all sorts of. And they're sweaty, and they're they're sweaty and unrefrigerated. Yeah, they're freshly dismembered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think anyone aspires to that. But if they do, they're on grinder, is what I'm saying. I don't know why you had to add a bunch of extra imagery in there, Tony. What do you think of when you think of a bag of dicks? <laughs> I I think of a a comedy routine and that's it. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's watch picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Uh I wish we could get the rights to that song to play it because it's so good. All right, you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, here we go. Everyone, we are hitting play now. You can see? I can. Oh, it looks like something from PBS. Yeah, I don't even know who... uh, Oh, the National Film Board of Canada. Oh, my God. The National Film Board of Canada presents Andrew? Presents? There he is. They were like, what is the most identifiable feature about you? Wait, I can't hear it. Can you hear it? uh, Sort of. No, I can't hear it. Sorry. I can't hear it. Wow, either. that's a young Andrew. What that's year was that? That's a good picture. Been? Okay, wait. That was probably like 2001. Why can't I hear it? Does this video have audio? That would be awful. I really should have, uh, you know, prepared for this. No, it's all good, dude. Um, and, and is there anything else you want to say about what we're about to watch now that you've seen the first three seconds of it? Well, I mean, I have some better ideas of what its tone's going to be now that I see it's the National Film Board of Canada. I don't think he's going to whip his dick out at some point unless for some sort of like like anatomic study of his body, which would be odd. Yeah. Oh, you were afraid to see his dick. That's no, I mean, not afraid per se, but it's funny seeing like mannerisms in other people with CP that I see in myself. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. That happens to me with SMA too. Yeah. Like little things like. Like the way Andrew's like left hand moves when he talks is different from his right hand because it's like slightly more afflicted. Right. And then there's like the um, just like the pronunciation of certain words is harder. I don't know how or why, but it just like is. And so there's like a kind of like facial strain you could see when like a CP wheelie is talking. And I'm like super I'm like super self-aware of that. Not as much now, I suppose, as when I was younger. Well, you you don't have it as bad as a lot of people I know. Well, if I'm really stressed or angry, uh, it can get bad. Uh-huh. Or if I'm like, if I haven't slept well. Really? Eh? Yep. Um, I noticed that there's a a pretty famous uh, YouTuber with SMA, and we have like a similar kind of speech and mannerisms that. You mean like your tone? Yeah, and just, like, the gurgliness of the voice and stuff. Just stuff that, like, definitely has to come from that. Right. Yeah. It's annoying when you realize that so much of your affectations come from, like, uh, external affliction. Like, this isn't how you would be if you were quote-unquote normal. But, yeah, like, like my whole experience at Carleton and, like... um, and just like, I think like even interacting with Andrew is like, he'll remind you that you're disabled. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, 
but it's it's in like a good way, like in a heartfelt, humorous way. But it's it's like weird to think that when I was younger, I ignored my disability. Ignored it? Like pretended you didn't have it? Or yeah, or I was conditioned to like downplay it or pretend that it wasn't a thing. Like by my family and friends and by people who are better serviced by me, like, you know, not advocating for certain needs. Well, um, I, I think the same thing happened to me. And it was like a conscious decision by my parents to try to make me feel as that I had as much opportunity as possible. Because if if you go if you went around constantly feeling like you are disabled, then it's really hard to think that you're not limited by all of those things too. Yeah, but then if you like internalize this idea that you you shouldn't pay attention to your disability, then you just become inherently ashamed of it. Yeah, which is terrible. Yeah, especially when you're around disabled peers and you are maybe not being a good person. It is making me sign into YouTube to confirm my age. We about to see some dick. We about to see some some dick. How does, uh, how does, uh, what's his name say it, Tony? Paul Rudd? Uh, dick? I don't know. Oh, you never seen, uh, you never seen the, that, uh, what? This is 40? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, Dick. 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 Do you think a guilty murder suspect has ever used a cripple as an alibi and got away with it? Do you think a cripple has ever murdered someone and never been suspected? You mean like Kaiser Soze? Who that? Oh, never mind, Tony. Who that? It's a character in a dumb movie from the mid-90s. Was he disabled? Yes. He had cerebral palsy. But he was also played by Kevin Spacey, so you can't talk about him. But it actually also wasn't really a good movie, and it was directed by Brian Singer, who is a predator and also an enabler of Kevin Spacey. Really? Mm-hmm. But he still is allowed to make X-Men movies, which is another series of films allegorical for the disabled experience. That's true. We could watch some X-Men movies. Maybe. I don't like I don't like them. It's not a reason, is it? <laughs> no, of course not. It's pretty fascinating watching you work your mouse quickly with your face. Can you see oh yeah, do you just watch my face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a fucking wizard, man. You're a wizard, Eddie. It would be hilarious if you were like a tech, <laughs> like a lab tech in CSI, and they made one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. We're writing a script. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you have like a Marg Halgenberger like over your left shoulder. And she's like, Tony, zoom in on that photo. And you like, and then they play that like sexy lab music. And they put you in slow-mo and you're like moving your lips. It'd be quite a lot erotic, erotic dude. It's Are you aroused? No, not at all. Uh, I would have preferred if you said yes. I'm blushing for a different reason. <laughs> and the reason is we're about to see Andrew's dick. Oh, God, dude. Like, it's pretty amazing that Andrew got like the National Film Board of Canada to film his dick. <laughs> well, we don't know for sure. I'm Peter Mansbridge, and this is the penis of Andrew Gerza. <laughs> is he wearing Crocs? No, they're new balance shoes, but they're purple. Because, again, he wants to remind everyone that he's gay. Why Why do you know the brand of his shoe? Because I actually used to, I have wide feet, and I used to have to wear new balance shoes 
because they had like wide sizes. Are you bragging? No, they're short. They're like short and fat. Oh. Like a coat can. That's nothing to brag about. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So sorry, do we have do we have sound now for Andrew's documentary? Can you hear it? I sure can. And play. All right, that's it. We finished the video. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I think it's amazing, actually. It does a very good job of capturing the the reservations and frustrations that many disabled people have with their bodies, uh, with their their personal lives, with intimacy and all these kind of very private domains that are difficult to talk about in uh, a lot of spheres, including this podcast, apparently for me, because this has been the second time that we've viewed this video and uh, our second crack at talking about it meaningfully. So, I mean, one thing that I think is kind of special about it or about what Andrew has done, he's basically made like a short documentary about um, his quest to have a sex positive accessible party, which is like a very like diplomatic way of saying like an orgy with cripples. And uh, in this video, it's set in 2016 and it's apparently, it's apparently like the second instance of, of this party that he's trying to host. So he did it once last year. It was like a big hit and he wants to do it again. So the video is about his quest to get fucked with a group of other wheelies. And he like is so honest about um, himself and his like, uh, anxieties and frustrations like with sex and and with his personal life this way that actually like actively like makes me uncomfortable and like I speak pretty freely about my feelings and about my disability it, it is taboo even for wheelies who talk about this stuff or think about this stuff every day so it's a fucking accomplishment and the fact that he got like you know our public broadcaster to help him make this is just like astounding. Uh, one of those things that really frustrates me is that like, you know, if uh, a disabled person wants to make smut or porn, well, you know, which is what Andrew wants to do and it's great. But if, if a disabled person wants to do it, it's high art. And if a regular person wants to do it, it's, it's porn. It goes on Pornhub. And there's something like deeply, like uh, ironically condescending about that. Is Andrew making porn? Like, well, I mean, he's yeah. I, I, it's a statement via pornography, is it not? I don't know. Like, when does porn start? I don't know. That's like a philosophical question. But when does the porn begin to be pornographic? He does wear a harness for sure. But is it porn because his dick dick is in it? Uh, well, it's porn because he wants to have sex in a public forum. <laughs> Isn't it? Or or does porn imply that it, it... But he's not recording it. Oh, it's not being filmed or photographed? Uh, maybe it is. I don't actually know. What's the point of having an orgasm, in, or sorry, an orgy in public if it's not going to be recorded? The, the whole point, like you mentioned, is Andrew's quest to get laid. Andrew has made a career out of professional sex having. And sex finding, right. and sex talking about, and sex positivity, and sex, and being sex, and sex stuff. I'm just trying to say sex as many times as I can. And you're succeeding. Thank you, sex. <laughs>
Thank you for interrupting my ranting, Tony. I'm just nervous about this subject for some fucking reason. Yeah, it really seems to make you nervous. I don't know why. First of all, like, let's knock it down a peg for a second. Andrew, I'll give him, he's very eloquent. He's very well-spoken in this documentary. And in general, he does have a podcast. Go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, But at the same time, he wears carpet pants and purple shoes. Like, he's not, he's like making a statement. Everyone's so well-dressed. And he's got like hummus stains on his white t-shirt. It's so true. We should mention that like throughout the video, he, uh, he like attends a photo shoot like a sex positive photo shoot with uh, like some bona fide models, disabled models and like able-bodied people. And they're all like in like leather clothes and like, like futuristic cyberpunk wares and they look beautiful and fantastic. And like Andrew's in the middle of it all. And he's, he's not like, he's not ugly by any means. Like he's quite a handsome dude, but he, he like is clearly the most, he, you can tell he takes pride in, presenting himself as honestly as possible yeah yeah yeah. like he's not afraid to look disheveled no well i mean we can also like chalk some of that up to disability it is kind of hard it it takes a lot of work to be a put together really tony you look like you just rolled off a a gap catalog (laughs) that's true Uh, every shirt i own probably 87 percent of my shirts are from the gap you look like a Tony Hawk avatar that fell sometime in the last session and just never recovered. <laughs> <laughs> you had a horrible collision with a half pipe, but you still wore all the appropriate branding and like you're you're still ready for the photo shoot afterwards, after the X Games. I, I'm, I'm going to get back on topic, but I do want to ask, are there any really skateboarders, like people that do tricks like that in their wheelchair? That would be fantastic. It, wouldn't that be so sweet, like watching a uh, like someone in a in a manual chair, just like ripping one eighties off a half pipe? <laughs> like if they fall and get paralyzed, it's like no big deal because they no, they just get better. Yeah, yeah, they just become a sensation. It's like it's like a double jeopardy thing. Like you can't be twice paralyzed. It just goes up and up and up. The injury gets higher and higher. They just hire you as a crash test dummy afterwards. You can't feel your feet for a bit. Then you get injured again. You can't feel your knees. Then you get injured again. You can't feel it from the waist down. And eventually you're just blinking your moves. Yeah, let's get back to Andrew because we'll just go down that road forever. I did like the mention of his CP sprinkler dance because that is a patented move. And his friend Tanash brought it up and did a pretty good quick impression of it. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if you've ever seen him do this dance move, but it is both hilarious and, well, just hilarious, both hilarious and hilarious. Okay, so why is the sprinkler dance like something that stands out to you? It's the only thing he ever does when he's dancing. (laughs) I've never seen him do another move. One hand goes in the air, the other hand goes in front of him, and they just jerk together in a very spastic, rhythmic, but spastic motion. Tony, you're still trying to undermine the weight of this documentary for some reason. Okay, well, we can talk about, like, I did think that there were some great points in it. Uh, I I did think the tone of it was really good, like, overall. Because? Well, 
it made you, it, it didn't shy away from anything. It forced you to look at it. It was very in your face. It was like, okay, this is what disability is all about. Having sex when you're disabled is a different dance than it is when you're not. And they showed the whole part. I, I remember when Andrew did organize this party. And it's a great initiative, really. If there's anything that could normalize sex with disability or sex and disability, it's a, a party like that. So one thing that he says in the documentary that I kind of found striking is he was like, disability is not um, newsworthy unless it's like incredibly over the top and sensationalizing or it's infantilizing. Yeah, Like it's either like inspiration porn or it's something completely out of this world. And that's totally true. So it's like making a documentary about him just like going on a date with another gay man at a fucking Starbucks and them having a frank conversation about the logistics of sleeping together. They He didn't want to go that route because he wants to shock and surprise. And so he, he goes from, from like, I'm lonely, I'm living in Toronto, I'm isolated, but I have a big personality and lots of ideas and I want to live my life and I want to be a three-dimensional person. So I'm going to fucking have an orgy and I'm going to make the headlines. And th like, that is really fucking awesome. Like considering you and I talk about regularly how terrifying it is just to go on a date with someone or to initialize conversation with someone or to bring up the very topic of disability and you and you and I are both people who have had long-term relationships and have have loved people and have had like we've we've had the gamut of all these experiences and yet we can still relate to this like deep and resonant loneliness that is so common with with wheelies because it's like the one line in the video is like uh uh, typically when you first meet somebody who you might think is like a candidate to date, it's like you're waiting for that moment where they ask you if, if you can have sex. And it's like, if they have to ask that question, then it's like, it means that they assume that the person has no value that way. And like, it's just like when you deny somebody that dimension of their lives, it's asking them if they're human enough. Yeah. Like indirectly. Right. And that's a really, it's a really hard question to have to confront like every time you uh, you enter a new a new relationship, and it's like like society at large should be at a point where we no longer have to fucking ask that. This is a question that is no longer necessary to ask. And so, one thing that makes me deeply uncomfortable about this documentary, it's like one of the stunts that Andrew pulls for the segment is that in the photo shoots that he has with other uh, male models, like where they you know pose like in bed or like scantily clad or whatever i'm such a fucking dork <laughs> but you know they, they pose in bed and it's all normal or whatever they're like snuggling or kissing or whatever it's like quite uh it gets pretty fucking heated but then he's wearing his leg bag and it's like this you know it, it, it's like this like uh it's like a milk bag like attached uh, like on a cord like to the side of his body like on his calf and it just looks a milk bag Right. Yeah. Like it looks like it has like it's filled with like one percent milk. That's not a jizz joke. I don't know what I'm saying. That's at least the apple juice. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Sorry, Tony. Anyway. Yeah. Like this leg bit like that's a stunt. That's totally a stunt. And he does it because like he. he is it a stunt, though? I Yeah, but it, it has a purpose. 
So he's saying, like, you know, if you want to be intimate with me, then you also have to confront the reality that uh, I'm going to need help with uh, other facets of my life. And those those facets are equally as intimate and personal, but they are definitely not as sexy. Imagine if I got like a, I put holes in every one of my gap shirts right where my feeding tube is <laughs> just to be like, you're going to have to deal with this one day. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you cut holes in your shirts, like right where your nipples are. Oh, yeah, I'll do that, too. <laughs> We've already talked about my nipples for sure. <laughs> so you're, you can figure out for yourself if they're the right size. Right. If you have able-bodied areolas or not, <laughs> yeah, there's a chance you don't. Or hairiolas. Hairiolas, yeah, like mine. Yeah. Yeah, but imagine, like, it, okay, so you're right. It is a stunt. In my opinion, like, you don't need to ask your partner to do that for a hookup. Like, if you're going to be in a relationship, then, yeah, you can get there. But, like, when you're just starting to get to know each other, you can... When when you bring a, a girl home or whatever, she goes to the bathroom, and I'm not in there being like, show me what you're doing in here. I'm just like, she's going to the bathroom, she's cleaning up, whatever she's doing. But, like, uh, is it necessary for me to be part of that? No, but it is sort of necessary to confront, like, the indignities that will occur if you decide to be intimate with a disabled person. On the first hookup, though? No, no, not on the first hookup, of course not. Like One thing that I really liked was when uh, Stella, who was also a major part of this, was Andrew's, uh, I, I don't know what her title was, but they were working together on the Deliciously Disabled brand. And I know Stella helped with the second party, not sure if she helped with the first one. So Deliciously Disabled is the organization that threw the party to begin with, firstly, right? Yeah. And Stella is somebody who, who, um, who, who helps Andrew along these lines. And she's like a very, very photogenic, like beautiful uh, a woman in a power chair who throughout the video also explains her experience, like trying to have a romantic life with a disability. And at one point, she's talking about how her girlfriends are always complaining about being catcalled. And she just says, like, I do get my fair share of attention if I work at it, but I feel like I would love to be catcalled. And I know that's a really controversial statement, but it also kind of speaks to, like, the degree of invisibility that she can sometimes feel where any kind of advance is welcome. Well, Andrew said a very similar thing, too, where he said that he would rather be seen as a fetish than not seen at all or something like that. Right. Which is basically the same sentiment. Right. And like, like I've said, you and I have both had meaningful relationships with, with uh, <laughs> partners that we've cared about a lot and have cared about us. And uh, like, we still feel these things. Yeah, well, it's still relatable. But I think that's, that's also why this is a good documentary is because I don't think it's exclusive to the disability community. I think that everyone can relate to this in some form or another, people understand that society has no shortage of uh, biases and prejudices when deciding whether or not to choose to date or hook up with or whatever with another person. And maybe those things are elevated when you're when you are when one of the parties is disabled or more. But I don't think it's it's a an experience exclusive to 
disability. I think that they just share, like you and I and a bunch of other people with disabilities, share many uh, experiences that are exclusive to disability, but the overall sentiment that, A, dating is hard for everyone. Yeah, I agree. One thing that uh, Stella said that I really liked was the term where she was she was talking about how her attendants basically have the right to refuse care, which they do. It's a tough thing to navigate when someone, when you're asking someone to do some physical thing for you and they refuse, but in essence they are, and this is her quote, your surrogate body. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a very, very good way to look at it. I don't know. I'm sure people could abuse that term and maybe abuse the power that comes with the term. But on the other side of it, like, uh, it, it's a very good way to look at what someone with a disability who needs PSWs to help them all the time have to deal with. When I'm asking for something, I pretty much have to guarantee that I know how to do the thing and well enough that I can talk them through doing it. But when there's the chance that they might just refuse altogether. Yeah. One time I had, I had, this is a bit of a tangent, but a very relatable story to what we're, what I'm talking about. I had a pretty significant, pretty impressive, I won't say I'm proud of it, but, but it was a big poop. Okay. Okay. And it, it was, I, I'm proud of it. I'll admit, I'm proud of this poop. But anyway, it clogged the toilet. And I was proud because, you know, I'm not the biggest guy. So, like, when I when I take a cloggable dump, that's a pretty proud achievement on my day. And I know it's going to be a good day. And I had a cloggable dump, clogged the toilet, and I had three separate attendants refuse to plunge that toilet. Because they didn't want to. And like, I had to end up calling, asking for this toilet to be plunged by the landlord of the building, who then charged me $40 because my attendants just didn't want to. I don't know. It was a weird one because like, that doesn't seem like something that takes a crazy specific skill. If they clogged their own toilet, they would definitely be plunging it. You know, I get that it's gross. But it's also just like, what am I supposed to do in that situation? That's when I wish I could pull out the term, you're my surrogate body, plunge the toilet. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, I'm still bitter about that $40 I'm going to spend. <laughs> and you've had more fiber in your diet ever since? Ever since I have smoothies every day. <laughs> anyway, I digress. You do. How about, how about the part of the documentary where you brought up an interesting thing? that Andrew called transactional touching, which was when uh, the attendant put gloves on to shower this person. Oh, yeah. I was like flabbergasted that they have to put shower, like uh, gloves on to shower you. Basically, like all throughout the documentary, um, there's a, a very deliberate effort to show Andrew in different settings and to show him outside of his chair. So like, you know, there's shots of him in his morning routine and of Stella's morning routine, which is kind of inherently fascinating to watch because it's really funny watching like like a middle-aged attendant like in scrubs, like with gloves on, like rubbing Andrew, like with a, like a, 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 a what are those called? The floofy things? Loofah. Loofah. Yeah, like rubbing him like a loofah, like he's a fucking bear. 
uh, <laughs> you know, it, like <laughs> it's like the scenes in uh, Chernobyl when they're like blasting them with <laughs> hoses after they come out of the radioactive zone. I'm pretty sure, first of all, Andrew would love to be called a bear. He is a bear. There's scenes where they're shaving him and it looks like the fucking razor's gonna catch fire. Yeah, we were making jokes while we were watching it, like, they pull out a chainsaw, it breaks. <laughs> when you were talking about how, uh, in order to direct your care, you need to be intimately familiar with the procedure that uh, you, like, you need to ask somebody else to do on your behalf. Uh, we have a couple more examples of that in your life that we could probably discuss in different episodes. But I I totally understand the necessity of that because, like, I don't consider you a vulnerable person. Like, I, I don't consider, like, I don't see you as, like, uh, fragile or high maintenance. Well, that's just insane. I know, but, I, like, yeah, your disability, like, medically speaking or clinically speaking is severe, I guess. Like, on, on, on the scale of disability. At best. But, I mean, because you know how to direct your care and because you've, like, considered all angles of of uh, situations where you could be vulnerable it's like you've like compensated for it yeah but it makes me a bit neurotic you're not a neurotic person you just spent 10 minutes talking about the a uh, huge shit you took a, a couple of years ago well first of all it was not a couple of years ago it was very recently still fresh in my mind i'm so proud of it <laughs> i mean I, I think it's important to if you view them as a surrogate body, and I don't want that to come off as like they're nothing more than that, because obviously they're way more than that. But their job is like there's so many things I can't do physically, and I need your help for that. Like it's like at times they need to kind of forego, um, or or they need to be more malleable with their boundaries in order to facilitate your needs. Because right, like I I live a lifestyle that I choose. And it might not be the lifestyle they live. So we have to meet somewhere in the middle, but it probably should be closer to where I want to be. And I think uh, Andrew's trying, Andrew's pushing for, for this just as much as you in his own, in his own way. And I think he like, like succeeds at that in this, this documentary. And I guess that's kind of the point that I was trying to get to is that like, even though he makes like the parts of this documentary do make me uncomfortable because I really have a hard time talking about like the the logistical uh, hiccups I run into when just trying to take a piss somewhere or yeah anything like that. But he actually juxtaposes those challenges with his sexuality, like in the, in the same photo, literally, and that just like fucking takes balls. Like it's edgy or whatever, but I don't think it like it's a perfunctory edge. Like he's a substantial dude. What does perfunctory mean? Perfunctory? <laughs> what? It's like uh, uh, a trivial, meaningless, uh, to no end. It's just a, a lots of syllables. It's, I like the word perfunctory. Almost the word itself is perfunctory. You know what, Anthony? Go perfunct yourself. <laughs> I'm going to perfunct. I, don't, I still don't really understand the word, so I don't know how to use it in a sentence. Uh, this is a product of being raised by parents who watch British mysteries, okay? Perfunctory. <laughs> the, the whole sort of thesis of the show was sex is a human right. And uh, I have never heard that before, but if that is true, I would like to cash in. 
Well, it's getting late for me, Tony, so I, I don't know. But yeah, well, you're perfunctory on my list. <laughs> totally incorrect usage of the word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it was good. It hit all the points well. It, it still emphasized Andrew's wanting fashion sense <laughs> while not uh, letting it overbear the fact that he's trying to get some fuck. Right. There's some aspects of how Andrew handles disability that kind of drive you crazy. And it's really interesting. Drive me crazy or drive? Yeah, like it's really... It's it's interesting to, to like watch you like navigate that tension like in our conversation. Because in my opinion, if you don't wear normal pants and you're disabled, people look at you like you're unkempt. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I make it a, a big part of my life to try to keep my shit together. Yeah. Mostly for myself. Andrew looks like a broken mannequin in a value village. Yeah, he looks like... He's like every before picture. Ever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he knows, like, you look at him and he fucking knows. And the thing is, like, it, it, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like every great artist, like, you know. He owns it. It's evident that he's not, like, fashionably, fashionably illiterate or whatever. And not just because he's gay, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, he clearly has standards of presentation. There are just days where he's just like, you know what? Like, fuck it, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to look like a Jim Henson puppet today from the waist down. I do like to make fun of him for, for all of that stuff. You rarely make fun of other disabled people for not pulling their weight, like in certain facets. So that means something. Well, he's representing 14,000 Twitter followers. Well, oh, that's very true. He is representational of, our, of, of us. Good point. Yeah. So, like, buy some different carpet pants. Would you also prefer he use a more stylish leg bag? Yeah, one that doesn't make you call it a milk bag, for sure. <laughs> I don't know what a stylish leg bag would be, though. I think it's called a urinal. I just want to give this video its due, so I got stressed out, and, and that was what joke I came up with in the moment. Okay? Okay, well, it is a perfunctory leg bag. <laughs> Imagine... He could just get replacement bags by like buying like a two liter bag of milk. <laughs> like, like, like I don't even have to. I don't actually want the milk, but just empty it and then cut a hole on the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have to like submit a a work order to shoppers. He just goes to fucking Metro. When he's in a when he's in a rush, he just dumps half the bag out. He's like, I'm not going to pee that much. And then he just pees into the milk bag. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Milk, milk, lemonade. <laughs> so should we end it on bodily fluids? Okay, I have one I have one last gripe with this video that I need to address before we sign off or sign into the next segment. Um, why does every prominent disabled person with any kind of uh, following have to cross paths eventually with Rick Hansen? That's true. But do you think Rick Hansen has carpet pants? Uh, you've baffled me with that question. He probably does. I have carpet pants. Do you? Do you? No, absolutely not. I've been looking for a new pair. Here's my thing with sweatpants, okay? Before we talk about Rick Hansen, why do sweatpants never have a fly in them? It's way easier to pee when you can just pull your dick out in the middle instead of, like, flopping it over the elastic. 
I never stand, I never pee standing up, so I don't ever deal with my... No, I pee sitting down, but I do it through the fly. What? They don't pull down your pants? No. What kind of voodoo is this? <laughs> you just unzip and whip it out. What are you talking about? Do you shit through your fly? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I put my pants on backwards. <laughs> In anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is getting totally off the rails here, Tony. What the fuck are we doing? No, no, no. Let's talk about Rick Hansen for a second. I think he's just become the name of accessibility. I, I think he just did it before a lot of other people happened to take a good path. I don't think he has like exceptionally higher degrees of knowledge than other disabled people. I don't know anything about uh, Rick Hansen. I heard from friends of ours that he's a total dickhead, but I can't substantiate that. So uh, hopefully we don't get sued for libel. But uh, <laughs> allegedly, yeah, yeah, like he's just kind of a really boring celebrity, like for Wheelie. So he, yeah, I don't know much about him either. No, um, like he's the type of guy that makes you wish like Terry Fox is still alive. You know, Terry Fox would be such a good Wheelie advocate. Oh my God, man. He'd be like the Michael Jordan of wheelies. But that's why he's not alive. Like, if Rick Hansen pushed himself that hard, he wouldn't be still pushing himself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say, Tony? That I should get my, my manual chair? Yeah, like, when's the last time you pushed yourself? Man, manual chair seems so hard. I'm so glad I can just say that I can't do that. Because even if I could do that, I'd probably not want to. When I say that I can't push myself in my chair, I get this. I get side eyes from people. Yeah, I would give you side eyes because they like see my right side and they're like, "You could push yourself, bitch." And I'm like, "Excuse me, <laughs> I just met you. Why are you calling me bitch?" Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Sorry, your cat just entered the frame, and I miss my cat because she passed away recently. Oh uh, yeah, well, let's not let this take a dark turn. No, 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 no. Dead cats are hilarious. What are we doing? <laughs> that's a perfunctory statement <laughs> have i used it right yet no no not at all but uh i admire your attempts okay dude i have one i have a i have this would probably be better for andrew if, if he ever comes on this game all right well we'll ask him but um i'll ask you anyway okay so tomorrow you wake up uh-huh and they offer you, today, starting today, you can be fully able-bodied. The only catch is, there's a day once a month where you end up having to go to the hospital because you got stuck inside someone. And you have to get surgically, not necessarily surgically, but the doctors have to intervene and separate you two. Yeah, I totally do it. No question. No question. And it's a dude, and you're in his butthole. <laughs> Your face. Your face basically, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you went, oh, fuck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're like, oh, really? Sure. I mean, ultimately, that's a small price to pay, dude. I'm sure, I'm sure by the time I got stuck in the person, I probably at least liked them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that, like, this curse... Is it going to give you game? Is it, is, it the, is, it, is it the same person every night or a new person every night? No, it's, it's just once a month. Okay, okay. Is it the same person every month or a new person? 
It's a different person every time. <laughs> Do I have to find this person and get... And then the doctors start to get to know you. <laughs> and, like, the ambulance starts to get to know it. You're like, hey, it's Jamie. Wait, happened again, right? <laughs> Who is it this time? <laughs> it happened again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well... And then the doctor is like, next time, do you mind doing it on the Thursday? Because Friday's just not a good night for me. You know, it's supposed to be date night with the wife. So am I allowed to tell my, like, explain to my wife why this keeps happening every month? Or do I have to keep it a secret? You think you're going to get a wife? <laughs> you said that. You said I was having date night with the wife or whatever. No, no, the doctor is. Oh. And she's starting to get fed up that you keep... Oh. <laughs> A doctor. Yeah, good luck getting a wife of every month. You're like, honey, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was part of the deal. I used to be disabled, <laughs> but I'm not disabled anymore. Uh, and it's because every month I go out and get stuck inside of another person. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be a complete stranger every time. And every time. Every time your wife is like, I would have been with you if you were disabled. Why did you do this? <laughs> and you're like, I didn't think you would. I thought you'd want it this way. You like explaining that to her while you're inside the ambulance? <laughs> <laughs> and the random stranger's like, what, you've done this before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like 38 times now. Uh, after a while, they like, they just charge you with like a, uh, public indecency and they don't even help you off the person anymore yeah they're just like just leave them on for next month man <laughs> like everyone knows your deal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a ridiculous scenario would you live the rest of your life <laughs> as an able-bodied person if you had to live as a resident in an old folks home but you're not old and you're not disabled but you have to live there oh <laughs> No, I don't. Oh, uh, I don't think so. No. I think that's probably one of the most depressing places there is, right? Yeah. Like, how would you ever be able to date someone and then be like, "Yeah, can we go to your place?" And she's like, "We always go to my place." You like buy a house together, and you're like, "Yeah, I still can't. I can't stay with here with you overnight." But I have to. I have to go back and see Greta and Myrtle. We we have an ongoing checkers battle, and I have to. Help the kitchen prepare the rice pudding for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> We're having microwave s'mores. Yeah, no, that's that. There's no way you can turn that into a happy thing. I thought about it. I was like, maybe you can like use it as charming because maybe someone would be charmed by the notion that you're like hip with the old folks and they all think you're cool. But eventually it's just that I think that would last like three hours. And then they're like, okay, let's go home now. And you're like, no, this is my home. This is where I live. And uh, I'm in room 18. Oh, man. Right between Jean and Myrtle. <laughs> oh, uh, my armrest fell off my chair this week and I refused. <laughs> <laughs> I refused to call Thunderbase version of Paratranspo because last time, or sorry, not Paratranspo, Motion Specialties, because last time these fucking people took my chair, they uh, kept it in the back for uh, over a month, a month and a half. 
And uh, the, when I called to ask them what the status was on the on the gearbox, because the gearbox had seized and they were ordering a part, when I called them to ask about it, they actually didn't even have a work order ticket for the chair. Like someone just put it in the back and then forgot to like process the paperwork. So it was just sitting there for a month and a half. And it took an extra like four weeks to get the fucking thing. And then they charged me over $800. 800 Yeah, because the part... For an armrest? No, not for the armrest. This was for a, a gearbox for an older power chair. It was like regularly like 650 American or something like that. But the, um, so yeah, so the point is that this week when my armrest fell off, <laughs> I didn't want to uh, call them because I was like, they're going to find some way to fuck me again. Yeah. Probably with the armrest in the ass. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe like we can figure out how. And actually my dad figured it out for me. Thank, thank God for him. Yeah, they're crooks sometimes. Totally. I find that you have to be on them all the time. Like my headrest stopped working this week and it, it stops working every once in a while. And it's been like that for a while. And it happened when I was at that cottage for like two days and it came back. It happened near the beginning of COVID for like two weeks. And then... Did someone accidentally break it at the cottage, Tony? Anyway, so then in the beginning of uh, <laughs> COVID, it happened. And it, it took like two weeks. And then just randomly started working again. So it happened again during the cottage. And I reached out to the guy and I was like, hey, we need to figure something out because this is kind of ridiculous. So he was like, okay, I'll just build you a new controller for it and have it ready and it was good because it was working again. So I was like, okay, well, that would buy me some time. And then it stopped working again a couple of nights ago. And so I emailed him again and, and he was like, okay, well, I have it. I'm still working on the controller. Maybe it'll be done today. This is Wednesday. Then I didn't hear from him at all today. So I reached out at the end of the day and I was like, are we going to get this thing done before the weekend? Like, I'm just on them. I feel like that's the only way. Yeah, you really have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. I feel like most of their clientele are probably like quite, um, what's the word? Passive. Passive, yeah. Complacent. Like, complacent, yeah, that's the word. So they, they just know they can take as much time as they need or they, they can choose how urgent the issue is. Yeah. And it was kind of the same with attendant care, Carlton, to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of times things wouldn't get done with the higher, higher ups unless your parents came into the office. Like you're a fucking child. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone's afraid of like a bad social media look now. Oh, that's probably good, right? Yeah, like I know uh, this YouTuber who has the same disability as me. And he just got his insurance to fund him a robot arm. And I know it's like probably like 40 grand or something crazy. And I think that the only reason they finally bit the bullet and decided to fund it was because they actually... They probably found out that he has a social media presence. Right. That he could destroy their brand. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy how much power and leverage you can get like that now. That's probably a very, very good thing. Yeah. Maybe we'll get more, like six followers and then we'll have an army of eight of us. Uh, and then and then Paratranspo will pick us up on time. And then fucking motion specialties will <laughs> fix our joysticks without also trying to fuck us with them. Okay, so my awkward disability moment of the week that wasn't even your awkward disability moment there's nothing awkward about a headrest that doesn't work well it could be awkward the most awkward thing was that i cooked 
a delicious uh, chili on the same day that it stopped working. So I wasn't able to eat it because I need my headrest to really eat. That's a fucking travesty. Yeah, but not awkward, just stupid. Did you take a picture of the food and send it to your motion specialties asshole and tell him what you couldn't eat? <laughs> I actually did email him and I was like, it's really hard for me to eat safely without this, so it'd be great to get it in by the weekend. And he's like, well, you know, people have said that it's good to fast in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, no, you don't need to eat every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, the awkward moment was I was hanging out with... Uh, our mutual friends, Scott and Jamie, who maybe hopefully one day will also be on the podcast. And uh, my hand was getting so cold that I really couldn't drive my chair. And I, we got up to their floor and I, I barely could get into the elevator. I was like, really was struggling to drive. And then I got out of the elevator. I, I was the last one out and they went up to the door and then they turned around, or Jamie turned around and saw me, and I was like, I'm going to need your help. I'm not really able to drive. I'm going to need you to move my hand. And it was at the point where I was driving forward, but I wasn't actually able to stop driving. Oh, no. So I was like, you're going to need to, as soon as you get to me, just turn my chair off, or I will run you over. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I tried to be, like, very calm, like, don't worry, like, nobody was going to die, but just push the power button. So you had to warn her in the amount of time it would have taken your chair to at least get to the other side of the hallway. Yeah, so that I didn't run her over. So um, was, your, was your hand cold because you were outside? Yeah, it just, it gets cold so easily. I should not be living in Canada. Yeah. I, I should live in Australia or, like, Arizona. Are there not gloves you can wear? I find all the gloves I can wear restrict my hand movement even more. So, like, it's a lot harder to control my chair. Uh, I am supposed to be getting a heater designed for my hand. Uh-huh. But I'm going to wait until I figure out the next stage of driving controls for my chair. Because there really isn't a point in trying to get a heater and then I find out I need a whole new system. Because if I end up driving a different way, maybe I can wear gloves. I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to see about that first. But that one was, we all laughed about it right away because it was fine. And I knew Jamie was there. But like if Jamie wasn't there, that would have been terrifying. Yeah, that would have been really tough. I, I, I was thinking, like, do I just drive into the wall and just like let my chair stop because of the force of the wall? But I don't want to damage someone's wall. This was the hallway of the apartment complex? Yeah. Wow. So funny that you had to make that kind of decision and on the fly. Yeah. And then I was just like, no, the best thing to do is just get Jamie to come back and turn your chair on or off and then fix your hand. Honestly, yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, all right. Well, we, need, we, we still need like a solid a sign off? outro sign off thing. But Or your face says you might have something. Does it? Yeah. No! Yeah. Don't tell me my face does that, dude. Your face does things, dude. Oh, that's lame. It's lame that your face does stuff? I was trying to think of like a song relative to your like experience there with Jamie. Because mm-hmm. I got one hand on my joystick. 
<laughs> and I can't stop driving without some help from an able-bodied person. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> okay. Peace out, everyone. Until next time, everyone. See ya. Dance. Dance.